Well, hello, darlings. Welcome to Anyway, That's All I Got, your weekly Cinemaholics spinoff where we talk about movies and occasionally try to sound like we know what we're talking about. I'm your host, Sam Nolan. Who the hell are you? I'm Anthony Pataglia, and I'm here too. <laughs> hey, little chef. How hello, I'm little chef, and I'm here three. I'm Jason. So. <laughs> you like the little? I appreciate that. Yeah, the little yeah. intros I give you Love every it. week, Love Jason. It. Love it. Awesome. Little chef, I'll take it. So this week, um, another slight curveball, although maybe a little more expected than last week. Last week we talked about the Oceans series, which is a series. Mm-hmm. Um, this week we had not too many big releases. There were only two. Uh, the first one was the sort of weird comedy tag which yes. anthony oh, you saw yeah. i did see it what do you think of tag i liked it a lot it was really funny it was, was it funny yeah it had its moments did it live up to its weird premise it did it's you know like the true story thing i i believed it they had a thing at the end where they showed the real guys doing it oh really because oh, really? i guess cool. they filmed some of their tags that they do and it like there was one point where uh ed helms wears a costume and that's like really the costume <laughs> that they wore and I, I, I would have liked it more if they didn't show the ending in the trailers. Oh, no. oh goodness. Yes. Well, screw you, marketers. It's a good thing I don't watch trailers. Yes, yeah, I'm not watching trailers anymore either. Tag sort of had a, a rough go at it because quite possibly one of the year's best weekends, in fact, quite often, is the weekend release of the latest Pixar movie. You know, mm-hmm. we get roughly mm-hmm. one of them a year, and it's usually a big highlight. Sometimes it's not, but usually it is. Uh, the Incredibles 2. Especially if you're The Incredibles 2. Came out. Everyone. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone was like, oh, I can't wait for this. I'm like, you don't care about The Incredibles. You're just saying that. A lot of people, granted, love The Incredibles, but yeah. some people. The, there's, there's been a weird sort of <clears throat> shift of opinion. We'll get to that all later. Yeah. Um, and so we had, we had two options. The first of which, which is a little bit more obvious, was uh, we go through all of the Pixar movies. Um, which we briefly discussed, but we ultimately decided not to for a couple reasons. One, we've tried it before. It's never been released. It's harder than it sounds. It's, yeah. There would be 20 of them. We'd have to... 20, there's like two minutes each yeah. one. We'd have, to, have to be like a three-part episode. Really yeah. quick, or we'd, we just wouldn't be able to do it justice. Yeah. So, And granted, we'll get another chance relatively soon. They're not. They're not slowing down. Yeah. What's the next one? Toy Story Four. Probably. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. But we decided to do some a little bit different. Uh, the Incredibles Two, like the first one, is directed by Brad Bird, who, as it turns out, has had a rather fascinating filmography. And we thought, you know what? Mm-hmm. Let's delve into that. So that's what we're going to do for this episode. So it's going to work a little bit differently. We're going to do the thing we usually do, where we do like a little introduction thingy, and then we're going to talk about. All of Brad Bird's movies, but then we're going to stop right before Incredibles 2. We're going to read a little bit of feedback because we really want to catch up on that. Uh, and then after that, we'll talk about uh, Incredibles 2. We'll do a non-spoiler discussion and then a spoiler-filled discussion. Because there's, there's actually a lot more to talk about than yeah. I expected. Me too. So that's what we're going to do. So if you haven't seen it, uh, don't worry. It's the very last thing we're going to do in the show. So... So that's hopefully that won't be uh, too inconvenient or anything. But for now, let's talk about um, Brad Bird. Did did either of you guys do any research on Brad Bird going into this? I did on his uh, personal life, on his career. Mostly. No, I I really learned a lot more actually than I was expecting. So Brad Bird is 
one of the more prominent animators of the last several decades, honestly. He's had a really varied career. According to my research, he got into animation at age 11. And by age wow. 14, he was being mentored by a Disney animator. Gee. That's crazy. And so he got a, got a scholarship to CalArts. That's where he met John Lasseter and Tim Burton, of all people. And then through the 80s, actually, he worked uh, really successfully as an animator for Disney. He, he was one of the animators for The Fox and the Hound. Oh, Did you know that? That's cool. really. And for uh, The Black Cauldron, which has somewhat of a <gasps> oh cool following. Oh, my God, I love The Black Cauldron. <laughs> yeah, man. I could never finish that movie as a child because <laughs> it scared me. Yeah, and he also animated a movie we actually talked about not too long ago, uh, The Plague Dogs. Really? He was one of the animators wow. for that. The Plague Dogs is by the same director of Watership Down, and it's this really sort of dark story about talking animals, and of course it's animated. And it turns out Brad Bird was one of the animators, and he also wrote the screenplay for Batteries Not Included. Uh, <laughs> Did you I watched that recently. Did you really? I don't like that. It's weird. Does it me. hold up? No. no. Not for me. <laughs> not for me. I could see it holding up for other people, though, but it's okay. not, not my kind of thing. Yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was, wow. sort of, that was sort of the big thing. His real kickstart was in the late 80s, um, where Brad became a key animation consultant for The Simpsons. Did you know that, Anthony? I did not know that. <laughs> he was He's almost single-handedly responsible for the visual style of that show. When did you say it was? It was, well, the first eight seasons. Really? He was contributing. How about that? How That's about really that? interesting. All through the 90s, he was working on all sorts of animation stuff like Rugrats. Um, Loved it. And uh, I knew that. That's weird. How yeah. did I know that? Not The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. And uh, the... Sideshow Bob's debut, Krusty Gets Busted. He directed that episode. You're kidding. I'm, I'm dead serious. <laughs> I need to pay attention to those early credits. Yeah, man. It's, it's, wow. I learned so much doing this. Um, and I, I love worked, that episode. worked on like King of the Hill and stuff like that. So even before his like feature length debut, it's clear to see this dude knows animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has like a, he has wow. a tremendous passion. And I read an interview with him saying, uh, how, he gets like visibly angry when someone refers to animation as a genre, mm. which I which I totally get because it's it's it really is more of an art form. It's yeah. like an entirely separate uh, art form. Like if, we're sort of getting into a tangent here, but if you tell someone there's a new war movie out in theaters, that tells them a lot. But if you tell someone there's a new animated movie in theaters, that tells them practically nothing. Right. It could be anything. I think people just assume, oh, kids movie. Kids yeah, movie. it is. Yeah. It is. That is sort of the general assumption. And that is, there's reason for that. But you could get anything from like over the hedge to perfect blue or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Double feature. They're both. An- <laughs> wow. <laughs> they're both animated. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, people will jump to conclusions and stuff. But animation is made for adults, too, and it's clear to see that, especially with Brad Bird's filmography. Yes. Like, I find that a lot of his movies, in fact, pretty much all of them get better as I get older. Yeah. Like, the animated ones. Like, he, he, I think that's one of the best things about him and Pixar, is they make movies for, like, that are actually for the family, for the entire family. Yeah. Not just the kids. And it's not just a humor thing. Like, Looney Tunes or s- stuff of that ilk adults enjoy more than kids but that's just because the jokes are sort of more clever yeah the stuff that brad bird makes not only is it more clever and it has good humor but it actually is like really 
affected. Yeah, there's like real drama in his movies. There's real drama, and I'm always amazed by it. Mm -hmm. With some movies more than others. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna, (laughs) I was gonna mention that. Yeah, it's so uh, enough enough dilly dallying. Let's get into it. So you uh, you can see all that stuff we just mentioned here with uh, Brad's first feature length adventure, animated adventure entitled The Iron Giant. I always have to say iron, like like Daffy Duck. Anthony, Jason, tell me about the Iron Gyrant. Gyrant. <laughs> the, the Iron Gyrant. I didn't even notice that. Well, mm-hmm. I recall. I watched this a um, couple months ago. I, for the first I, time? No, oh, for okay. like probably right. the 40th time. It's, but the first time <laughs> since I was like really little. And I, I remember having it on like those big VHS cases. Yeah. Like the big plastic ones, not the little cardboard ones. The big puffy ones? Yeah. Oh, boy. Those, those were cool. the days. Uh, so it's, it's a, we have this little kid, Hogar, Hogarth? Hogarth. Hogarth. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> Jason just made the weird. most bewildered face. <laughs> I totally forgot. It's an interesting that. name. Wow. Yeah. I believe that there's motivation behind it, but you were he, saying. He's a lonely kid, no, no father in sight. The, uh, the movie doesn't really tell us why. It, it's either divorce or tragedy. Yeah. Um, but he's sort of a peculiar child. He's kind of an oddball. He brings frogs into his mom's cafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He likes little animals that yeah. he finds. <laughs> and, you know, he his his mom, Jennifer Aniston, of all people. What? Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, she's, like, doing her best, and she's We're doing blowing Jason's yeah, mind. Yeah. Wow. And then... <laughs> it's happened, like, four or five times. Uh, well, episode. Harry Connick Jr. is the dude. What's his name? What's Harry Connick Jr.'s name? Oh, who knows? I don't remember his name. It's probably Tony or something. It's, it's, like, it. it's like Cal or something. It's Tony some no, Dean. Dean. That's Working class is. name. Yeah, it's Dean. He yeah. play, he plays this junkyard owner. And so all of a sudden, there's this, <laughs> this giant uh, robot alien who, and, who and lands. It's, it's important to mention that this takes place during the Cold War. Yes. That plays a big part in this. Towards the end, yeah. Yeah. And so this big robot alien, he's there, I don't know, probably to just to enslave humanity, but he gets a bump on his noggin. And so he's like, he doesn't really know what's going on, and he, he becomes friends with Hogarth, and there's a lot of comically, you know, I've gotta hide the giant robot scenes. Yeah. And the, like... He's like a big kid, voiced by Vin Diesel. It's like a boy and his dog story. Kind of, with yeah. A, with a robot. Yeah. I, I made the joke in my review, this is the second best sci-fi movie from the 90s where a, where a shrieky kid gets a pet robot. What's the first? Terminator 2, you moron. Oh, he is shrieky. I'd say the same, but number one would, again, be Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh, gosh. That was, that was 2004. Yeah. You're talking about I'll take it. And I'll take it. <laughs> It's better. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. The hot takes. <laughs> anyway. So they're friends. And then the government, there's a really jerky government guy who's like, hey, give me your Isn't damn. that Christopher McDonald? Yeah. It's, yeah, love, it is. It's like, give me your damn robot. And then they're like, no. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's the movie. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. And we should yep. specify. Um, we'll talk about the plots of these sort of freely. None of them have any really big revelations. Not really. Except yeah, no. for one at the end of this movie, but we'll get to that later. Last month when we did our animated movie episode, uh, you guys were talking about this. You asked mm-hmm. me when I saw it and I said I'd never seen it and you both had a look of utter <laughs> bewilderment I mean, yeah. on your face. Everybody should see this movie. Yeah, I saw it it's a classic. once as a child and once a few months ago. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it twice. Oh, good um, for you, Jason. <laughs> I remember loving it as a child. Mm-hmm. Didn't really remember anything about it except for the frog part where he right. brings that. That's 
weirdly the only thing I remember from the movie. And then I watched it again recently, and I, I loved it. It's this movie so it looks just so beautiful. The colors it is beautiful, are incredible. Yeah. I love it. So I only have I've now seen it. I only just watched it this weekend, and uh, and I really I liked it a lot. It was I knew sort of. The whole deal with the ending, or whatever, mm-hmm. not the whole thing, but most of it. He kind of loses his, you know. It, it sort of, it didn't affect my enjoyment of it, though. Right. Um, that's sort of just the price you pay when you wait for these really big movies or anything. Uh, but I really like that whole Cold, uh, cold War element. It, yeah. It's sort of like, because I'm a sci-fi nerd, so I draw comparisons to other things. It's sort of an interesting riff on, like, the... Uh, close encounters of the third kind idea or the the day that Earth stood still. I would compare it more to E.T. That too, yeah. Because it's it's like about how like... The kid and uh, their relationship and then the hiding the thing from the government. Yeah. How like childlike curiosity has value. And Mm. in a time, such a tense time in American history, you know, the Red Scare and everything, that, that really works. And I think it's, it's a, idea that's done a lot especially with certain sci-fi movies um but it never gets old because it's always relevant that's Mm -hmm. that's the thing about it there's always room for a story about how people's knee-jerk reaction tends to be one of fear or uh yeah dismissal of the unknown and they show that a lot at the end of this movie yeah it's a Again, it's like it's the cold it's the worst possible time yeah for an alien it's like we don't need this like that's a big robot too. That's the thing a bit, with a cannon in his face. Yeah. An iron giant. If you I, ooh. Yes. How'd you come up with that? That's that's the title. Yeah. I, I love that it takes place in the city of Rockwell. I think yeah. that's that's Real hilarious. subtle. You know the you know the alien landings. Oh yeah, the ones in Rockwell. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, subtle. Yeah, you you know you got the evil feds coming in, mm-hmm. and while you can appreciate their perspective, they don't want like what if it does turn out to be this dangerous robot or something uh but that juxtaposition with hogarth really works again he's this peculiar sort of outcast and so it makes sense that he would be really empathetic Mm -hmm. to this strange thing yeah like hey maybe let's not assume the worst possible right and like he like hogarth he wants to like be more and like be better and all that and and then like yeah he like he, he wants, wants to be, to be superman. superman and that's what well, that's <laughs> that part at the end is so emotional mm-hmm. i am not superman. a gun unless you're steven spielberg mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Yes. that's right i said it um <laughs> technically it was the the chick who was the gun i suppose Whatever. so but yes <laughs> yeah the relationship is really sweet it's really genuine mm-hmm. it's paced really nicely there's a couple moments I didn't really care for. Like, Dean wasn't a bad character, but I didn't really care too much about him. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't think he's that big of a character, but, like, I, he's kind of fun it sometimes. It feels like they just sort of needed stuff on the beach. Well, they needed him so they could have a junkyard to go to so, he, so the Iron yeah. Giant could eat his lunch. You know? yeah. yeah. They just sort of needed another character. Pretty much. And it's serviceable. My big well, problem... Well, doesn't he and Jennifer Aniston end up together? I feel like they do. Yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Because you have to have a divorced parent yeah. someplace. Well, I mean, I yeah. feel like that just happens in movies. Like, oh, these are two single, attractive parents. They're together yeah. now. This yeah. one's helping the young kid. Yeah. You're single, too? Might as well. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well. It's just kind of expected now in movies. That's yeah. the way it goes. Yeah. So so that's the thing. Uh, bef- before I say, Jason, you haven't talked a lot. Are you just, do you just I, not remember too much? I, I don't know. I was just watching it one day, and I was just amazed by 
all the visuals pretty much. I, I, it is beautifully animated. Yes. Mm-hmm. The stuff in the forest is oh absolutely God. incredible. It's like, what? Leaves, yeah. It looks incredible and, now. And as yeah. we now know, Brad Bird has a thing for uh, train track accidents. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yes, he does. How about that? <laughs> My only real big problem, and it's such a nitpick. I feel like taking such a big issue with it. But there's a moment towards the end that pissed me off. Which moment? Which moment? There's yeah. there's sort of this thing. I don't want to give it away. There's no real reason to give it away. But there's this thing towards well, the it, end. There is a reason. I want to know what it is. There's a thing where it turns out maybe the giant is something else. All right. I guess I guess spoiler alert. Spoiler, yeah. Here. Turns out he is a weapon of mass destruction. Well, yeah. That, yeah, well, that yeah. really, really got that to me. That was the point. It's, it's going against the entire thing that it's building up, though. I thought it was the point because it's... So we have this whole movie where he's learning about what he is. and Because he, we see a gun. He has a gun earlier in the movie, right? Doesn't what, it? Like the, which part? The laser thingy? Yeah, and like he almost shoots Hogarth earlier, right? And then... Maybe I'm misremembering, but they they have to, but like they have, he has to say, I'm not a gun several times. So, and that reveals later that, oh, he's a really big gun instead of just that one arm cannon he has. And that's, that just bothered me. But just, I think it's, it shows that you don't have to be what you're made to be. You can be what you feel you are. Mm-hmm. And that, and that really goes to show the very end where he, there's kind of, he sacrifices himself. It really, I think it shows that he could have just, I don't know, chest cannoned everything. But no, he, <laughs> he chose to be the hero instead of the bad evil gun thing. I suppose so. It, it, just, it just was jarring to me. It's like you're building up this whole pacifism side of it. And I could see that because... It's like, and I thought about it. I watched the scene again. It's only like 30 seconds mm-hmm. where it happens. I imagine you could take it out and it, I feel like it would still have the exact same impact. Because even if even if he wasn't didn't have the laser, he's still a he big still giant like robot yeah. that could go around and step on everyone. I can see both ways. Well, if I you think, just cut I think, out those thirty seconds. I think they needed it because we need to see what this the destruction he's doing. Because he doesn't start shooting right until um, the the evil FBI guy. He's like fire, and then then he kind of loses it, and he's got all the he's got like four different cannons. And his head goes in his shoulders and he's like a big chest thing. And it's like, a, I think it's very dramatic. And you need you need that there to have that kind of character resolution where he finds out what he really is. Sure. Made me mad. <laughs> but hey, what do I know? Uh, <laughs> not a lot as it turns out. You know, at, at least that's not the very ending. So it, le- it left it mm-hmm, on a final. Yeah. So the Iron Giant, it didn't do great financially, as we Did sort really? of alluded to. No, not no, it really. It was technically a flop. Yeah, but oh. it was it was reviewed well enough, and it started gaining enough of a, a following, and is nowadays regarded as like an, a classic, an animated classic. Yeah. Uh, it caught the attention of a little up and coming animation studio called Pixar. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Uh, is that with a, is that one with an X? Yes. <laughs> okay. I think yeah, I think I've heard of them. Yeah, they're, they they've done a few little indie animated movies, um, and they said, "Hey, uh, c- come come work with us, please." Like at this point, their worst movie was A Bug's Life, so they're yeah. still doing fine. Really, but they're really they're starting awesome. to sort of pick up steam a little bit. Uh, they'd already they just done Monsters Inc. and Finding Nemo back to back, so not a bad uh, streak. And I and Toy Story two as well. 
Uh, and so they said, come do it. And he ended up doing The Incredibles. We've gotten a couple of comments, not a ton of them, but a couple. Specifically uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I remember. Somebody told us, like, oh, wow, that's a pretty generally well-liked movie. Um, but I appreciate how how bold you guys were in your opinions and how you weren't afraid to say something contrary. This is not one of those movies. The Incredibles is freaking awesome. It yeah. is. It's, it's, it's my second, second favorite Pixar movie. It's one of the best animated it's, movies. I think ever. it's Love perfect. It, it's, I think I have it as a perfect movie. Yeah. It my just, letterbox. it gets better and better it does. as I get older, mm-hmm. especially now that it's sort of been some time, 14 years. And we've, and we've had a little bit of time to reflect on sort of the superhero genre and what this does differently. And I won't get too much into it because I'll bring this up again later, but they're people first, mm-hmm. heroes second. Yeah. They're yeah. a family and they operate as a family. Like you could take away their powers and have sort of the same story you'd have to change a lot of things but it would still be just as effective like that whole plot line where uh where helen thinks that bob is having an affair totally flew over my head as a kid (laughs) yeah whoa yeah she's like (laughs) with the she finds with mirage she finds like a hair and she's and apparently it flew over Hmm. jason's head too i just assumed that she knew that some he was evil working? was going on. I don't know. <laughs> no, that, yeah, it was a. There, there's like real family drama in here. It feels like a family, real family. Yeah, and there's. I was yeah, I was I was actually thinking about how the movie would proceed without super or superpowers after you said that. And I was yeah. like, I mean, that part would be like an affair. I that guess that part right there. Yeah. yeah, there are moments. I rewatched this again. I don't know why. I've seen this movie four thousand freaking mm-hmm. times. There are moments that brought me like on the verge of tears. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there are. Like the part where, like, I don't, I can't lose you again. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Oh, it really is. It's like, oh my god. That goodness. was emotional for me even as a child. I remember just like, he shouts that and then everyone's like no. quiet, right? Well, because they're, they're arguing back and forth over what's right and what should be done. And then he just snaps. He's like, no, this is why. It's a real vulnerable moment. And it's right after this sequence, one of the most ludicrous sequences, they get an RV and they, mm. they sling it up between that is my favorite move, <laughs> my favorite part two because halves of a rocket ship that yeah. is the that is the total family moment where they're like they're they're arguing about directions no that'll take hey, me downtown hey. like that great we missed that is like y'all missed the exit bob like talk about Na- bob and helen parr like come on oh. are we there this is, yet? this is amazing like they nailed the family aspect we'll get there when we get there they, that's my favorite it was line. perfect they nailed it the f- i remember that from the trailer yeah <laughs> saying that i was like that's funny they it's nailed it oh god it's it's lovely some some of my favorite sequences oh the music in this is yeah, just the blaring horns are incredible, especially during that scene where mm-hmm. he's just getting hit by those like, like weird balls. The, oh, the, the, the gooey things. Yeah, the gooey. Whatever. Orbs. I remember yeah. that scene. Just it's terrifying. Like, on the edge of my seat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's scary. Yeah. Just, and even the sequence beforehand, looking on the computer. Everyone's we're, we're talking. We're talking about this. We assume you've seen The Incredibles. It's forgive us and if, if you haven't. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah, you bring up the style. It's very uh, Connery era James Bond. It is yeah. like it has like a classic campy look to it, but they take it seriously. The fact that the villain, the villain's lair is inside a volcano, yeah. Yeah. is straight out of You Only Live Twice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
volcanoes. It's know? like they they pay homage to like the campiness, but they they tell a serious story, and it works great. It's so campy and silly at times. Mm-hmm. The big villain is a giant octopus robot mm-hmm. that goes into lava, and then it starts spinning the thing. Super cool. And it's, the lighting is also fantastic in those lava scenes. Mm-hmm. I just need to say that because I just. <laughs> The part where he's holding it, he's like yeah. getting pushed. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And the music's just blaring. <laughs> it is fantastic. We could go on and on about the individual moments. Uh, suffice it to say, this movie is awesome. There's not a whole lot we can add to the conversation. Yes. So The Incredibles comes out big hit. Everyone loves it. Still loved to this day and rightfully Perfect so. Perfect movie. And Pixar's like, uh, come back. <laughs> yeah, Brad, make another. <laughs> Do another one. And so he's like, okay, all right. Let's Now that I have a little bit more freedom, he's sort of proven himself. Uh, does th- something he's, uh, I feel like maybe a little bit more passionate about, and which is, of course, Ratatouille. Or Ratatata. As, or as John Mulaney says, Ratatouille. I love that. Or Rat Patootie, as they say in the movie. <laughs> That's correct. Rat Patootie. <laughs> this movie features someone getting drunk. I never. In I, a kid's I, movie. I didn't, I didn't understand that, though. So. <laughs> it's like, oh, Rat Patootie. I'm like, what, what is he doing? Yeah. So let's get it out of the way right up front. Um, we're slightly divided on this. Not too much. but we all like This it. is my favorite Pixar We movie. all like it. I love it. Anthony, you like the movie. Yeah, I think it's a good movie. <laughs> I think it's a really good movie. I just don't love it as you two do. I love it. We've, we've, this is sort of a running gag between the three of us, mm-hmm. how me and Jason love this movie. And I probably like this movie for the same reason you hate it, Anthony. <laughs> Which is what? It's yeah, which is what? Because of Paris. Yeah, I call, I think the first time we talked about it, I called it Paris porn. And that's why I love it. And re- rewatching, the, I rewatched this the other day. There is not a single shot in this movie where the Eiffel Tower isn't somewhere in the background. <laughs> I mean, come on. Jeez. Give it a yeah, rest. Not one shot? Not beautiful. one shot. They're in the kitchen. What's that off in the window? Oh, it's the Eiffel Tower. It doesn't matter what angle it is. It's the Eiffel Tower. They're always looking at it. So, so filmmakers, keep in mind, <laughs> tone down the Eiffel Tower imagery. Or, or tone it up for me. Or you'll lose Anthony. Yes, down, you down for Anthony, up for Jason. You could make yes. the worst movie ever if it takes place in Paris. I'll like it a little bit. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. Yeah, so, so, Jason, you, you've, been, you've been a little quiet. Jason, yeah. tell us why you love Ratatouille so well, much. Well, because I'm, I'm a nerd for French culture, and... Uh, this movie makes me want to eat food that I I'm I'm the probably the pickiest eater I've ever <laughs> I've ever met. Uh, I bet I'm pickier. <laughs> this movie makes me want to eat ratatouille. There you Ooh. go. I looked up what ratatouille is made of. Sounds disgusting. <laughs> they Colette says it's a it is a peasant dish. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks good in you know animated form. Yeah. Oh, it better. Yeah. Yeah. The animation is fantastic. They wouldn't make it look heinous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of the voice acting is great. I don't know who who. Patton Oswald's Remy, who plays Linguini? Do we oh, know? I don't know his name. You know? It's I, don't like, know. I think it's like it's Lou, like Lou Romano. He's Lou honestly my favorite. My favorite voice in the movie. Yes, Lou Romano. Lou, Lou Romano. Romano. Yes. Yeah. Cool. He was honestly my favorite voice in the movie. I like you know? Peter O'Toole. Yeah, Peter O'Toole. That's he was ego. ego. He was okay. ego. He that was my sense. favorite part. The best movie He's character great. named Ego. Fight me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I agree. What? I mean, there's Guardians well, too. That's it. <laughs> Okay. Not a a bad competition. If there are any other movie characters named Ego, let us know. Let us know. We can do like a March Madness. There's probably a businessman somewhere. Ego Ego. probably beats him. But yeah, this just all the characters in the kitchen, fantastic. All of the, I guess there's only really three 
main rats. Yeah, but they're, uh, they're, everyone's just so lovely in this movie. Even the bad guy is lovely. <laughs> I just find this so delightful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's about like... Such a happy, cheery movie. Yeah, but it does have down moments. It does. That's what oh, I love about yeah, Oh, yeah. It has a scary moment, too. It has Some quite a few of them, actually. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's it's all about not not letting the universe typecast you yeah essentially i mean it's, it's, it's like iron giant it's exactly <laughs> like iron giant it's sort of an obvious metaphor the rat in the yeah. kitchen but mm-hmm. i'm willing to forgive that because it's it's about like never settle for anything less than the best possible version of yourself no matter what you have to do do it it actually is sort of like two movies because the first half is all about that thing sort of uh, being the best possible version of yourself. You got the relationship between Remy and Linguini. They're sort of opposite sides of the same coin. They're all dealing, they're both dealing with legacy, but in sort of different ways. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through the movie, they, they succeed in their enterprise. Like that's the thing I always forget. But then that's when Anton Ego shows up. And then the second movie starts, which is sort of like what I imagine the sequel would have been if the movie had stopped right there. It's about how both Remy and Linguini sort of forget where they came from. They sort of forget yeah, they do. who got them where they are. And they both sort of become dicks. Mm-hmm. And then they, they both hit rock bottom, more or less. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the movie is them realizing what they had in the first place and just take ripping it back and just grabbing it and never letting it go, appreciating it more than they ever have before. And it ends on just this, the most cathartic note, like I, I can possibly think of. Like this is one of my favorite endings in, in all of cinema history. It's just, I'm, I'm just laughing yeah. and crying. It's beautiful. It takes you through such a journey. And yeah, it's silly. Yeah, like it's, that. Yeah, it's silly. It's goofy. It's an animated movie about rats. Yeah. Rat washes his hand with a drop of water. I'm down with it. <laughs> yeah, that'll cure the plague. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have to suspend your disbelief. But that's, yeah. that's with every animated movie. Some characters don't get to do a whole lot. You know, well, some... I think that's kind of the... I think that was probably my favorite part was how... Like the the this they really put a lot lot of effort in the supporting cast. Like yeah. um, my favorite parts are everything in the kitchen is amazing to mm-hmm. me. I love everything in the kitchen, and we get a lot of. There's a scene where they're talking about each like oh he was part of the resistance. Which one we don't know because they lost, and oh <laughs> he killed a man with this thumb. And uh, okay, Wait, who does John great. Ratzenberger play? He's one of the. Is waiters. he a waiter? Because I was I always he's he's in every Pixar Mustafa. movie. And I yeah, always, yeah, he's, yeah. The, he's the waiter. Hysterical waiter. Yeah. John Ratzenberger. Some, yeah. Sort of hard to recognize the, the voice. Oh. A little because he's doing the accent and he is like more subdued. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought the supporting cast of uh, chefs was really interesting and it, it made sense. It was funny. Yeah. All sorts of just wonderful uh, relationships. You really mm. get to you really get to know that kitchen. Yeah. And how it operates. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's just this whole world. And I'm every time I watch it, I'm afraid I won't like it as much, mm. and I'm, I have not been disappointed. It's one of those movies, right? Yeah. Well, like, it's yeah. like one of those. It's a really. I think it's it's hard to disappoint because it's really just such an interesting, like the pulling, controlling the guy with your hair, and which the, is goofy. It doesn't make it's any so sense. Goofy, but but like, it's so creative yeah. and funny, and it, and that part where he's going through the kitchen being led, and the, mm-hmm. that the physical comedy is so great. There, it's really hard to like, like holding the spices up. <laughs> to his hat yeah it's, great. it's, it's yeah. really a clever movie <clears throat> it tells everything with such sincerity though yeah 
genuine that it totally works it's genuine if if for nothing else even in brad bird's lesser efforts they're all genuine and they come from a place of real intent Mm -hmm. and care and just good heartedness and i think honestly the world could use a little bit of that right now we Uh, need more brad bird we need more brad bird uh so now let's get into a sort of the weird one out. So we're going to sort of gloss over this one. This one I didn't even know was him till a few months ago. <laughs> and to be honest, we're, we're talking about Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, the uh, fourth one. We won't spend too much time on this for a couple reasons. One, it's part of a long running series. It's sort of weird to talk about just one of them. And secondly, um, another Mission Impossible movie comes out later this year. We'll get to it then. Yes, we will. Not to give too much away, but, but that's you know, what we're, we're giving it away. We're giving it yeah. away. Um, <laughs> was I don't know who whose idea it was to get the guy yeah, who directed yeah. Ratatouille, the yeah, Incredibles, of the Iron Man. You know, Man. they they gave three to J.J. Abrams, and then they're like, Brad. Well, from what I've heard, here. the stories sort of change a little bit, but they they asked J.J. to do four. He was like, no, I want somebody else to do it. And I think it was actually J.J.'s idea to get Brad Bird. Really? My best guess is that they saw sort of the the action in The Incredibles mm-hmm. and thought, hey, this, yeah, this is kind of Mission Impossible. Let's, yeah, let's give it that. a shot. Let's see how it turns out. And it turned out awesome. Pretty, pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Mission Impossible 4 is... I think it's the best action in the whole series. Yeah, I think so. Probably. The Mission Impossible series, um, they're not complicated movies. Not they're, necessarily. They're it's, just the most kick-ass time you can yeah imagine. it's literally just plots given pretty quick in the beginning um, should you choose to set accept piece it? or a cool action set piece cool action set piece betrayal betrayal yeah. <laughs> betrayal um, love interest uh, someone from the first two shows up yeah like one the thing rames each, each one gets a gets <laughs> another cast member from yeah. the last one yep I don't know how this franchise hasn't gotten old yet. Oh my god. But it's gosh. because each one just keeps getting bigger and better than yeah. the last one. Yeah. I have a guilty pleasure for uh Tom Cruise running or action jumping. <laughs> Which um, is all these movies and, are. Oh my gosh. He can action jump, man. Mm-hmm. It's the flailing of the arms yeah, when he's he jumps. Like, Whoa. For some reason that is actually the coolest thing <laughs> ever to me. What's that thing you say when when you talk about Captain America, like the super kicks, super kicks, yeah, super, super kicks, kicks. yeah, yeah. yeah. I love Cruise the super kicks, Tom Cruise action jumps. Yes. Oh my gosh. And yeah. Let me tell you, there's some action jumps in this movie. Well, like that's the <laughs> thing about all these the the like I think why these movies haven't gotten old yet is because they're real action. Like they're they're doing the stunts and they're doing like the wires yeah. out hanging outside the hanging building, <laughs> like in this in this. The, the, like he's Burj Khalifa, yeah, like the oh, tallest building gosh. ever. They're, he's like Tom Cruise. Terrifying. Actually, like t- I, I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan, but I appreciate that he does his own stunts, and yep. he does his own stunts in this movie. Yeah. Mission, Mission Impossible Four is pretty awesome. It's pretty fun. It's, yeah. it's exciting. It's it's a little shallow at times, but that's just the critic in me. Uh, it does have a lot more pathos, I think, than the yeah. the first two. So there, there's an interesting parallel here that I learned in my research. So this is what happened. I forget the studio, but whoever makes the Mission Impossible movies went to J.J. after three, said, you want to do another one? J.J. was like, no, I want, uh, I want this other, this, this bird man. This bird man. This <laughs> bird man to do it. And then it's like 2012 or 13 or something. Uh, and Star Wars 7 is in development. Mm-hmm. And one of the people they have to direct is Brad Bird. Whoa. And Brad Bird. That would have been. I would have liked it. I would have liked that a lot. Brad Bird declined that. 
for for a couple reasons, and of course J.J. Abrams eventually got it. The, but the main reason he declined it was that he was busy making Tomorrowland. Are yeah. you kidding me? That's yeah. what it. Oh man! So if he was not making Tomorrowland, he probably would have made Star Wars. Mo- most likely, yes. Oh my <laughs> God! Are you kidding me? You know that actually really depresses me. <laughs> that mm, that would have been amazing. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't mean to put such a somber note. That would have been me. the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Brad Bur- <laughs> Disney and Brad. Bur- <laughs> What kind of trade-off? You guys are on the verge of tears right now. Oh, all right. Well, well, let's, tell him, let's tell him why. Make oh, it happen, All right. So, so Tomorrowland is Brad Bird's passion project. I know. To the best of my knowledge, it's a part of Disneyland, right? Is Tomorrowland. Yeah. Tomorrowland is part of it. Yeah. This, like, futuristic part of the theme park. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like a lot of passion projects, it's very well-intentioned. It has a lot of interesting ideas. It feels somewhat personal. It's also weird and strangely hollow, and sort of a dud. Yeah, it's not a great movie. No, it's not. At all. It's very confusing, because it seems... We were talking earlier about how Brad Bird, he kind of makes, like, children movies that adults really love. Yeah. This movie seems really childish, but I feel like children won't even get it. I don't know a single kid who'd be able to follow along. No, I I didn't even follow it when I saw it in theaters. I, I think I walked out. So, so Tomorrowland was kind of a dud at the box office as well. Yeah, um, disappointing. It's been all but forgotten. Pretty much. Should we try to explain try what to it's explain about? It. Well, I mean, yeah. to okay. me, it's just it just feels like one long first act. Interesting. Because well, the whole thing, you like you you in movies, you don't know what's going on in the first act, and then you don't know what's going on at all in this movie until like the last ten minutes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of so. So let's let's give this a shot. So yeah. there's there's part of. The Disneyland theme park, Tomorrowland, and uh, there's like the some sort of World's Fair, Hall, the Hall of Inventions. And Is that what you're talking? About? I have no. Oh, idea. when he, yeah, yeah. And baby George Clooney shows mm-hmm. up with a jetpack mm-hmm. in 1964. The, the jetpack that he made. And he walks then, up to Doctor House and then gets on the Small World ride. Mm-hmm. And after he's given a, a, pin, a secret pin, a secret by pin, Athena, by a, a girl named Athena, who is a robot later, who turns out, yeah, turns out to be a robot. And then the boat and the small world ride. There's a secret entrance. Goes down into a utopian, yeah. future, yeah. giant building, Thing. metropolis, city. Another reason to hate a small world. <laughs> and it's coming, and and then it cuts back to what I guess is the present. Yeah. Where there's some sort of ticking clock. Yeah. And there's like some, and George Clooney, real George Clooney, is doing some sort of narration. Yeah, voiceover. About mm-hmm. how this is how we got here, and well, then like they, Robin they, Robertson. They, they show the in. they show the ending in the beginning, and then it they cuts do to show, the modern yeah. era where Britt Robertson is a person, and she's and hacking into NASA. Yeah, it's like their something. their whole family is cleverly named, named Newton. Ooh, subtle <laughs> Newton. Yeah, <laughs> bunch of geniuses. You didn't notice that? Yet? Yeah, I didn't even know they had yeah. a last name, man. I, th- I think you can see where we're going with this. I don't have a s- any idea what this movie is getting at. No, see, well, so sort I of think a little bit towards the end. I kind of get it. It's I, I I did not like this movie as much as everyone else. I just thought it just wasn't good, and that's fine. But I think the intentions of this movie, where it's like really optimistic, but not yeah. obnoxiously optimistic. Like some movies, they just shove that you know, just like. Be happy, but this movie—it—it—it it, it really feels like he's trying to 
be genuinely affecting with yeah. um, emotion that, yeah. and stuff like it, it, it's like the, it, the, there's a lot of heart in this movie and it comes across that way it's just not necessarily entertaining I liked the optimism stuff <laughs> I mean she's saving the world with optimism yeah so That's like kind of cool it, it does <laughs> evoke those sort of childhood themes of how yeah. that like sort of the same thing as the Iron Giant about how that that youthful optimism has value and mm-hmm. shouldn't shouldn't be uh, written off. In fact, it weird comparison, but it reminded me a lot of Interstellar. Yeah, and now it obviously wasn't copying it. They came out just a couple of months apart. But I feel like the thing about this movie that I just could not get into whatsoever, besides just the ludicrous plot. <laughs> yeah, everyone feels like they're acting at gunpoint. It, yeah, like something's off. Something's really off about something's it. Like. Off. In in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's an alien invasion movie. Aliens come to Earth that can perfectly impersonate, well, not perfectly, but they can appear as humans. They're like plant-based beings that grow in pods and appear as humans. And sort of the whole first act is that this person is freaking out because this other person they've known for their entire life is acting really weird, like an alien. And then at the end of the first act, they sort of figure out what's going on. This is that first act stretched into a whole movie. Well, I mean, they kind of do that on purpose, right? Because a lot of the people, quote, in this movie are uh, robots. Yeah. Or something. You got wacky Keegan-Michael Key. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, explodes, I think. I don't he explodes, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So Brad Bird's movies, they're all fun. They're all really, really fun. I think this the funnest part of this movie was maybe the scenes at George Clooney's house where they're yeah, like using the those. They, they really built those... George Clooney up in the trailer, but he doesn't show up till like three, four. No, you know in. what they built up in the trailer is Tomorrowland. Yeah. <laughs> guess how, guess how much screen time cool Tomorrowland is in this movie. Not even 20% of the screen. No. Time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Not even. And this is a long 10%. movie too. It's, it's two long. hours and 15 minutes. When you minutes finally long. get to Tomorrowland, it, it feels, it looks like Russia. It's, Hey, because you don't get there till tomorrow. <laughs> I apologize. Um, like I said, it has those themes, those sort of interstellary themes. And I think it, it's fair to say, I think Interstellar did this idea a little bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like some of the stuff. Not perfectly, but a little They bit. bring up at the end when they're talking to House. and You have that stuff about, about hope, you know. Yeah. Um, I like some of that, but. And optimism. Up the, until then. The thing is. Bored. Those themes are good. This is something that uh, me and Anthony sort of bring up all the time about how subtext is good and can be awesome and has value. But at the same time, it has to be an interesting movie. Yeah. You have to give a damn. You have to make a movie. And with Tomorrowland, I don't give a damn exactly. about anything, about a single thing that happens. Really? Yeah. There's this moment at the end. You got you got robotic little girl mm-hmm. named Athena, who's like the little girl version of like the Terminator and and uh, Agent Smith combined. Yep. They try to have like this weird. Blade oh, Runner moment. Really drawn end. out, too. Do you remember that? Oh, it's I thought you were out. talking about the George Clooney part. It's, it's missing everything except time to die. Like, they try to do that same kind of yeah. thing, where it's this big emotional crux. Well, so, like, with that scene, I thought it was drawn out, but I thought just one little bit I thought really worked well. And I think that really comes out with... Um, what I say about Brad Bird and his uh, intentions and genuine goals with this movie where um, 
Because throughout the movie, he George Clooney is always yelling at Athena, like, "Oh, you can't, <laughs> you can't be this, you can't feel, you can't blah, you can't, you're a robot." He's like, "You can't love." And then at the <laughs> end, she does. I forget what it is, but she does something, and he's like, "Wait, you can't do that." And she goes, "Ah, eh, what do you know?" And then it's it just kind of it, it's kind of corny, but it's like I was fine with it because it made me smile, and that's that's really all you need. <laughs> yeah, in the there's movie. a few yeah. moments in here that you're like, "Oh, it's." That's yeah. that's worth something. Yeah, and you got way more of it than I, I did. did. Yeah. Clearly, I um, thought it was a fine movie. Yeah, it's it's okay. To it, me. It's vague. It's saturated. It the effects are the You're effects right. are kind of cool. Yeah. It, yeah, I think there's 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 sort I of think, neat. Here here's the thing, and this is I think the greatest sin of this movie. Actually, two. There's two recurring issues that I see throughout. Actually, a lot of blockbuster cinema recently. One more so than the other with Tomorrowland. The first one is that. You have all these movies that are really plot heavy, which can work. A plot heavy movie can work. Mm -hmm. But the important thing is that the characters within it, you have to care about them as people. Yes. They have to get a chance to express themselves so you can really feel for them when something dramatic actually happens. And in this movie, there's nothing because of the second thing, which is that, and this is sort of my big issue that I take away from The Force Awakens, which is somewhat plot heavy it's not terrible or anything but it is it's a somewhat plot heavy movie you have all these characters within it doing stuff they're all acting none of them are reacting yeah. to anything yeah there's stuff is just sort of happening to them and they're just sort of going along with it's it. like it's, i think it's a pacing issue it is it's a, it's mostly a pacing issue yeah. and it's it and that could work even uh, not having enough reaction. That could work if you go at it with sort of the angle of they're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Whelmed, I'm sorry. They're overwhelmed. <laughs> uh, they they don't have time to react to anything because it, everything is so pressing. Mm-hmm. We've all had moments like that. We just don't have time to right. take any, have any downtime. But this movie never does anything like no, that. No, there is downtime in this movie. <laughs> There's downtime, but but there's still plot going on during the downtime. That's yeah. what, that's like what I'm the, saying. Like there's all like it's like no, like they're driving, nothing's happening. Yeah, but they're explaining a bunch of the stuff. Driving parts. You, are the you worst watch like part of this movie. Yeah. Of this movie. You yeah. watch like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. There's a ton of downtime in those movies, and it's and it's effective when mm-hmm. the big spectacle stuff happens. Mm-hmm. This movie just it just doesn't work. It's complicated. It's long. It's kind of neat. It, like what uh, do you mean by neat? Okay, so like it's like you know, ooh, look how the the big shiny thing with yeah. the portals and it's aesthetically it looks aesthetically, pretty nice. And, and um, like I like the bit. Some of the ideas. I like the bit where uh, Britt Robertson has the button and is trying to figure out why what's happening with it she goes to this big mm. cornfield that, that was kind of another yeah, interstellar yeah no, those are those are nice and that's kind of what got and, me to see the movie and she's walking around scenes. but is still subject to the physical laws of where mm-hmm. she is in the real world she that that's kind world. of it was yeah. yeah but it's just the commercial or something yeah but that's only um, one small bit and that's know. really what this movie is a bunch of sort of interesting small bits and i thought that I, I, they kind of bring that back at the end in yeah like really corny ending i kind of liked the ending I a little know. bit i was like i was, I was like oh gee it was like i mean adorable. i just i like when people start like picking up the pins and they like kind of show up I there but, i was like but can i we, i hated that it, it ends with like we're gonna rebuild and just ends with them telling you what mm-hmm. they're gonna do yeah I that's that's the thing this movie is just so all over the place it's like 
I think literally two thirds of the way into the movie, they all but say, "Oh, and by the way, the world's going to end in fifty eight days." Like, well, when much. did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> like you don't, you never really yeah. feel the urgency of <laughs> the all. end of the world. <laughs> the end of the world. It's it's like Thor: The Dark World. Yeah. The world is ending, and nobody cares yeah. or is respecting. I kind of hate Tomorrowland. <laughs> I just kind of despise it. Yeah, I, I definitely can see why. I can get why people... I yeah. thought it was just, you know, fine. I was I was passive on it. You know, it was whatever. I'm, I enjoyed I'm, parts. I didn't really like it, but I'm leaning more towards yeah. you, Anthony. Yeah. Um, Again, I appreciate the effort. Yeah. It's good intentioned. Whiffs every possible idea. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah. So that's Tomorrowland. What Kind of a weird note to sort of take a little break. But yeah. as, as we said, uh, we're going to take a little bit of time to read just a little feedback. Um, we're just going to do it for one episode. Uh, we, we're slowly wanting to catch up because we want to make this sort of a regular segment. Okay, so this is from our uh, best uh, non-Disney slash Pixar animated movies. Kind of a weird episode to bring this up. Uh, but here we go. Jessica very simply said... Song of the Sea! Exclamation point. Um, I, I've not, I, I actually don't know what Song of the Sea is. I've actually heard really good things. It's, it's rather, it's a rather beloved, uh, anime movie. I've so heard of it. How old is it? It's somewhat recent, I recent? think. I might be, okay. I might be off I about that. I might recognize it. Yeah, but that's, that's, uh, I got that on I'll my I'll check list. it out. Federico said, glad to see a podcast celebrating animated movies beyond the usual suspects. Hell yes. We that's, that's, a. Uh, I think that's what we really were going for with that episode. Don't get me wrong. I love Disney, but there are so many fantastic animated movies. People won't even give a chance just because it isn't Pixar or DreamWorks. Yeah, ain't that the truth. I think yeah. the, the problem is Pixar and DreamWorks, they have release thing. They can release wide release stuff. And a lot of some of like the indie stuff, they don't really get the attention because they're not marketed properly. Pixar is it's weird. It's a studio, but a lot of people look at it as a franchise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's they so do. funny how that happens. Like, oh, the new Pixar movie. Yeah. I wonder what this is going to add to the to the filmography. Right. Yeah, because yeah, or something. So it's it's more of a studio thing. And plus, they release like at least one movie a year. Yeah, so they get they got uh, consistency on their side. So there's a reason that they don't get talked about as much. But it's too bad they don't. Robin. Uh, I assume you're of Batman and fame. Prin Prince of Egypt is an absolute masterpiece. I've, I've heard. Never, I've never seen that. I've heard really I've good heard, things about um, that. I know this isn't... This might be the same company, but it's Road Dream to Wars. El Dorado? Oh, yeah. oh, I watched that recently. I know that one. That movie's great. That is movie was really fun, yeah. Prince of Kinda Egypt inappropriate, though. Is, the, cool. is the first... Um, DreamWorks movie, to, to my recollection. Really? So, yeah, that, I'll have to check that out. Nicholas, no H, Ooh. said, uh, just gave us a list. Anastasia, heard good things about that. Shrek 2. Shrek, Shrek 2 is awesome. That Shrek movie? Shrek yep. 2 is Second Shrek, Shrek movie. Oh, false, dude. <laughs> Shrek wait, 2 is lovely. Wait till, wait till our Shrek episode. Oh, yeah. We could do oh, it. isn't there another Shrek movie? <laughs> no we way. We could do that. A yeah. fifth one? No uh, way. Spirited Away. A lot of people love it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna watch it again. Uh, Chicken Run, which is awesome. I like I've never it, yeah. finished. I never. I've watched Chicken Run many times. I liked never it. finished it. Yeah. Anything by Ardman. Mm -hmm. um, How to Train Your Dragon. Not a fan. I, I don't, not a fan. Ooh, I, don't I saw like the, it. I've only seen the first one. Loved it. I didn't like it. Loved it. Ooh, it's been a while. This is a classic thing where Anthony hates it and Jason <laughs> loves it, and I have no. I've mind. only seen it once though, but I loved it. And then here we go. Pokemon Spell of the 
Unknown? Un- I don't know that one. I don't I've know. Seen, I don't think that's a typo. That's I've seen a unknown. few Pokemon movies. They're actually really good. Okay. Never I mean, it's been, it. it's been a long time I never since I've it. seen it, too, so I don't know. Okay. JWN, my father. But father. Said Shrek. Uh, yes. Wizards. I for- wizards, I want to see. I wizards. forgot about wizards. I wish I'd talked about wizards. Uh, heavy metal. I really want to see that. Chicken Run. Yep, that's one of our favorites. Wallace and Gromit, Three Adventures. Uh, Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were Rabbit. It's the only Wallace and Gromit thing I've ever seen. Those, theaters. those are both really funny. Yeah. Uh, Team America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yeah, I have. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I, I, I have fun with it, yeah. As for Spirited Away, I watched it recently for the second time. It was not as bored as I was the first time I saw it. Still hey. not sure what to make of it. Yeah, that's kind of it. That's kind of what it is. Uh, I would like to see Totoro and Grace of the Fireflies. Uh, I believe it's... it's I, I really want to see Grave of the... I have seen Grave of the Fireflies. It's actually it really good. as depressing as everyone says? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. As, as for topics, how about, uh, how about you guys pick an actor or actress and pick your favorite and least favorite movies made by them? That's an interesting idea. We could do that. Yeah, I could, yeah, no, I could easily do, do that. that. Um, it'd have to be... We'd have to be sort of choosy, but we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Poor man's comment <laughs> said, So much anime can fall into this category, and rightly so. The more recent Your Name was a wonderful movie, not enough people watched. Yes, Your yeah, Name is fantastic. My, one, of my, one of my good friends is, one of his, I think, his favorite movie of all time. He loves it. I, that and Ponyo. <laughs> I can see it, yeah. Uh, third act is a little weird, but I, I can yeah. forget that. And yes, Spirited Away is a masterpiece. It's a modern, inventive fairy tale that's probably done more for storytelling in general than all other animated films combined. Yeah, I'll give them that. Yeah. It's, it's a... It's a very inventive I story. I've seen it. Very inventive uh, inspirational. Yeah. Oh. You haven't seen Spirited Away? No, uh, I thought you were talking about Your Name. Oh, oh Your oh, Name. No, no. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was Spirited Away. I oh, I swear that you've seen it. Yeah, Mar- I've seen Spirited Away. Margo, with a T. I assume you're Margot Tenenbaum. Uh... <laughs> Ice Age is the movie that got me into animated movies as a kid. Anthony's right about how the visuals don't really hold up, but the movie itself really yeah. is pretty good. Yes, it is a really great movie. But the animation is just not quite it's off. <laughs> it's shoddy. What was it, 2002? Is it, is it something like, like really, that? really bad? It's distractingly it? bad no, at no. times. <laughs> there, there's only so much they could do. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's still worth watching. And then Caden uh, said, this is actually four days ago. I haven't seen this one yet. <laughs> Hey, what's the name of the movie on the top right of the podcast art cover? I can't remember, and I'm too lazy, too lazy to dig through the entire podcast to find it. Let me find. Well, it. let's help out. Top oh, right corner. Oh, that, that's yeah. it's such a beautiful day. That's the one I recommended. Really existential, hand drawn animation, and my favorite animated movie of all time. So yes. Oh, you got Akira on there. It's such a beautiful day. Yes, you're welcome, Jason. Oh yes. Okay, cool. so that that was that was our feedback. Uh, we're, we're slowly catching up. We want to make this a regular thing. So uh, that's that. Keep leaving your comments. We'll, we'll let you know all that stuff at the end. But in the meantime, let's resume the Birdman talk. Indeed. Let's talk about Incredibles 2. Apparently so, everyone in the world's most anticipated movie ever. <laughs> well, that's sort of the interesting thing. So this, this movie has been in development pretty much since the first one came out. But yeah. Brad Bird's been very adamant about like, no, 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 give it time. Give it time. We don't want to rush this. I want to make sure I know what I want. I want to make sure the time is right for this. And I remember... When Cars 2 came out, mm. everyone was really <laughs> frustrated because, really? 
This is the Pixar movie you gave a sequel to, and everyone brought up The Incredibles, how it would be good to have an Incredibles sequel. And then suddenly, like, the the people I've heard and that I listen to and that I talk to, their attitude is sort of like, yes, the sequel we've wanted for years in sort of a sarcastic way. Now, Jason, you say that people actually... Uh, I mean, well, social media this week has just been blowing up of people. Oh, this this movie isn't for the kids. It's for us adults. Yeah, there's a lot let's of those go, Let's go see it. Yeah. yeah. When, you know, people haven't really been talking about The Incredibles, like, extensively and, like, a lot. But yeah. since it's coming out, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I love The Incredibles. It's my favorite. <laughs> Even though they haven't been talking about it for years. That That's what happens when sequels Th- That is what happens. Gives and, more attention to the original. But yeah, I do get the hype for this because the first one ends with kind of a cliffhanger, yeah. I guess. And why not have a sequel, honestly? Yeah. Like, like, this is a movie, like, having... Even before I saw the movie, I was like, sure, there's a superhero family. There's tons of stories you could tell. Yeah. See, I'm noticing um, everyone's just loving it. I, I think yeah, I didn't even know I'm the only people who didn't like, like it. I'm the only Maybe person it's just my circle. I know who hasn't who doesn't have like a like this is a ten out of ten movie. Also, yeah, you're the only person I know who yeah. wasn't blown away by this movie. I was movie. not blown away. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So before we get into that, let's just sort of give a basic rundown of the plot. So it picks up like the second The Incredibles ends. Yeah. No, which was really surprising. It's I liked me. it. Yeah. Which is actually fascinating yeah. because it's been 14 years and the superhero genre has evolved so much. To continue it like nothing's happened is a really yep. bold choice. And I think it really works. But we'll get into that. So it's the Underminer just shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> That's At the end of one, yeah. At the end of one. And the movie starts with this big action sequence. Really great. Just, you know, stopping or failing to stop the Underminer, honestly. Yeah, he gets away and they never go back yeah. to it. But the point is that uh starts with this big action sequence. As far as I recall, no one was killed, but there was a huge amount of damage. Collateral damage. And, well, supers are still illegal. As Yes, yeah. as we know. Even though they stopped the, the Omnidroid and Syndrome and everything... Mm-hmm. There was like a brief moment at the end of the first Incredibles where the government guy, Rick Dicker, uh, sort of said, like, we've worked something out where you guys can be somewhat legal. But then this just sort of throws all that away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're no, illegal they're, again. They're illegal. Um, but then what happens is that this this eager, enthusiastic business tycoon decides Bob Odenkirk Odenkirk decides to um, sort of try to get some good PR out for superheroes basically is what's happening and he enlists Elastigirl to be sort of this poster child for how heroes can do good Mm -hmm. and in the meantime uh, Mr. Incredible is is left with the task of taking care of the kids Mm -hmm. at home and it goes from there. That's that's sort of everything that gets set up in the first act. That's all we'll say. So let let's get into sort of how how we reacted to this. So Anthony, you're the only person on planet Earth. No, just kidding. That I mean, probably as, probably as far as no. I, there are there are other people that like seen... it. So, so you were not so hot on no, this. No, I thought there was a lot of good, but a lot of bad, and it works out to be a fine movie. I think a lot of it. It just felt like a. The same movie to me as the first one. Like, it wasn't that different. Like, the, the, in the, terms of plot? In terms of plot. I thought it was just basically the same thing, but with Helen out. It's the same thing. Bob and Yeah. Home. It's like <laughs> every, it's, it has the yeah. same beats, the same notes, but I think there were a couple key differences that I don't think were. For, I'll start with what I liked. I thought it was really funny. A lot of the humor worked. <laughs> yes. No, I, um, I loved the humor. Yep. Frozone had more to do. I liked that. Uh, I guess he's not. 
around that much in the how much he's not he doesn't do much he's in like the beginning and the end because i didn't think he was really like that big of a character in this no he's just the family friend no but he he does more in this one like i guess yeah yeah. i guess and um and i I thought bob odenkirk was great i love bob odenkirk and jonathan banks was in it so that was cool uh edna was funny again i love edna (laughs) brad bird does the voice of edna (laughs) what Oh, yeah. for God's sake. Oh, my God. Yeah, Jason, Brad do you, Bird. Do you not do research? No, Jason? I didn't do... I'm not looking at well, Brad this, Bird voice. You don't even need research for this. It's in the credits. Um, yeah. So, Terrible uh, credits, he's, man. It's hilarious. So Milan, darling. That's Milan. incredible. I thought the cast was still great. Like, it was... Like, all the returning cast. I didn't like any of the new guys. Okay. Um, and the um, the opening action scene with... And, like, the Tony cut scene was really hilarious. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Animation in this is beautiful. Pixar gets better every every movie they have, but I, I think the animation in this is really something else. I think it's the most beautiful they've ever had. Even though, did any of you watch like a back to back of like the first one, the second one? I watched them within a day of each other. Within a day two of days? each other is two the days. animation that different? Well, because um, I was I was thinking like, oh, it looks the same, but then like certain things. Well, like hair I think, well, I think Sam, really you have great. some. I read your review earlier. You have something to say about that? Didn't didn't you 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 I, uh, you called it? More realistic, so it's less realistic. It's weird, because the animation's evolved, clearly, which I sympathize with. They want to use the best they have. But because they sort of... They recreate, like, a couple of scenes from the end of the uh, first Incredibles. It's sort of jarring. Everything's a little shinier, a little little brighter. And I thought it was jarring at first. I got used to it. My eye adjusted. But there, there is that... I, like you don't want your cartoon to look like you don't need your cartoon characters good. to have pores, you know. I can, like I really noticed Bob's nose in this one. I don't know why it's like really in your face. Really notice because uh, it's more dashes, more realistic. Yeah, in this. <laughs> did he even have I, him in the first? I think probably. he did, but it was less freckly. I don't know. Yeah. Freckly. I don't know. Music's still fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked it. So here's what I the did. Plunger. Like. Um, so plunger. I think it was smart picking up right where the first one left off. But it doesn't feel like that's the world we still we're still in. It doesn't feel like 2004. Like if I were to watch one then two right away, I would not connect them yeah, at all. I agree with and that. And I, I think the problem well, is I don't know th- because the whole point of this movie is our world is taken over by screens. But that wasn't really an issue in 2004. Like we still have oh, flip yeah. phones. Well, that's the tricky thing, and I'm sort of baffled by this a little bit, honestly. The first Incredibles, all the technology was like 50s and 60s mm-hmm. technology. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, did I miss something? Did this is this actually in the modern day? That threw me as well. I thought that was yeah. a little off. It, it, I just thought it was lazy because that seems to be a lot of like this is like a major plot device now. Like, oh, you're obsessed with your phones, and now the screen slaver really, yeah, made, really lame by bad. the way, really terrible. I, I actually rolled my eyes at the um, theaters. It, it, his message of screen it doesn't really apply to 2004 where this supposedly takes place. I thought it was a lazy motivation for a villain. And um, I thought it was extremely predictable. I won't give away. What oh happened, yeah, no, the plot is very. I f- very like you figure it out within five minutes of the movie of how it's gonna go down. Yep. I I, th- I don't know. I thought the whole thing with the switching, where now Bob's at home, fine, whatever, and Helen's out. But the problem is That's my favorite part. Yeah, me too. But the the problem is there was no really purpose for it. Like, oh, I disagree. Well, so the what they do is. The reason Bob's at home is because, as Bob Odenkirk says it, you're you're too he he goes he's too much damage, which makes sense. Good good 
plot device to leave him at home and send Helen out. But I think the key difference is in the first movie grows as a character. We see him like he, he hates his life. He's miserable. He's, he's on the verge of a mental breakdown, midlife crisis. Yeah. And this superhero work, it kind of saves him. He gets back in shape. It's, a, start, new, it's a new lease on yes, life. Exactly. Thing. He starts appreciating his wife more. He, he starts realizing how much he loves his kids and it, it becomes a whole, you know, it's, it's, he grows a lot and Helen didn't change at all. Like there was no. It, it's just You're kind talking of the about the first thing. movie. No, in this movie. This movie. In two, Helen is she's she's just kind of doing the superhero stuff, and there's no real purpose to her stepping away. Okay. And there's there's not really any justification other than the whole you know we we need another movie. It just it just I, I never got the I don't know the, nothing. It didn't affect anything. Her going out and like. Bob, like really the only character who's changed out of these movies has been Bob. And um, I'd say Violet, but she kind of didn't change at all during this movie. And she did. She, I, th- I thought her the, the treatment of her character in the first movie was awesome where we have she's kind of sad all the time. And not I don't want to say stereotypical girl, but almost. And she's kind of having like this identity thing. Like what? Where is my place? What is my purpose? And at the end of one she kind of finds herself and it's mm-hmm. a really great moment. And she's just kind of back to the old sad way again. Yeah. But there's a reason for that. Well, because, because, because Tony kind of forced in there. I didn't mind that though. That's, that's just life. You know, you figure out something, another problem, but they, along. but they threw away all her development. Yeah. That's kind of the thing I didn't like is I feel like they didn't really care about Violet and um, Dash in this movie. They just, and they, Dash is the other thing. They like, feel like Dash I, doesn't really do anything. Exactly. In the like in the, in the first one, the, the Dash whole, is so fun in the first. The movie. whole thing with Dash in the first one is why can't he go out for sports? Because he'd be great. And the, his character is this um, kind of outlandish, kind of um, obnoxious little jerk. And he learns to appreciate his family. He learns what um, maybe hold back and you know prove yourself a bit and you know we show that at the end with his oh i'm gonna get second place and it's great and um it just in this one he doesn't do anything like he 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 learned the power of self-awareness and now he's just a plot device and this this other thing kind of a minor thing i thought there was too much oh look how cute jack jack is like (laughs) yeah like no like there was they relied too much on him as uh there was a lot of jack jack in like this movie. too much as a like, comedic device like and, there weren't you know, as many jack Jack's smart funny jokes. but he, i don't need him that much like there was the way too much oh look at jack jack i don't know granted I, the jack jack scene the he had fun one jack jack scene is really really great and really fun that's probably the funnest part of the movie is that part yeah and i think they 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 kind of cut out a lot of in more service of Jack Deck, they cut out the other family stuff where I thought was great yeah. in the first one. We kind of don't have any of those RV moments or any of those because I can't lose you again moments. It, it I, I never felt that this is the family and they, they're all, they're all separated again. Like that, the whole point of the first one was, um, Jack or not Jack, uh, Bob wants to, he wants to be a hero again. He wants to be on his own and fight crime because his family, he felt his family was holding it back when he, re- then he realizes, that is, he's a family. They need to do this together. I wanted yeah. this movie to have them like they, I think there should have been the four, five, if you count Jack Jack, five of them going on an adventure together. Yeah, I wanted more of them working together. It was of, just kind of a know. standard. Kids are at home with one parent while other parent is away. Like it, it's the same movie, and except without the family core that I like. 
like, yeah, there's a bit of um, Bob and Violet emotion, but it's very sitcom-y, <laughs> you know? Anyway, what do you guys think? <laughs> I So overall, I, I liked the movie, but I, yeah, I definitely share some of the same problems as you. It's nowhere near as good as the original. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think I was kind of distracted by... I, so it's been years since I've been to a theater to see a Pixar movie. I forgot how many children there are in the audience <laughs> and how much they love those movies. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of influenced by the kids to just... Oh, so you like, let an outside factor mm-hmm. affect your enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Wonderful criticism, mm-hmm. Jason. Mm-hmm. It happens. It happens. I can't <laughs> help it. Um, but yeah, overall, I had, I, had, I had fun with the movie, but I, I don't know if I'd really like go out of my way to see it again. I, I don't know. I, but o- overall, I had fun with it. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always the outlier, no yeah, matter no, what. <laughs> no matter what, it always happens. So this is what happened. I went in, I just accept it's not going to be as good as the first one. You're, you're not going to be able to capture that sort of lightning in a bottle the same way. But I do feel that it is a really strong uh, continuation of the first one in the sense that we get to see more of these people and how they interact and how they behave and how they try to cope with their own sort of identities. Like I, I did have to keep reminding myself like, yeah, syndrome happened like a week ago. Yeah. That's, that was sort of the thing I had to keep reminding myself of. And in fact, it's, it's certainly of a different, um, Tone maybe is the word or maybe sensibility. It's a different kind of movie than the first one. But what I like about it, and I sort of alluded to this earlier, is that it's been 14 years and superhero movies have grown like a freaking weed ever since then. In so doing, there's actually sort of been this backfire effect I've noticed. They're not really... I'm trying to figure out how how to word this. Superheroes are not as heroic does that make sense yeah yeah i get that like like (laughs) they're not out like saving babies there's a very clear like in the first one he saves a cat yeah yeah Yeah. there's a very clear metaphor in this movie about how superheroes are products now to be sold and marketed to the mat that's the whole elastigirl plot is how she's just a, a walking pr campaign more or less um, and yet these people are still complicated. And in fact, I was thinking about this because a lot of people have said that um, superhero movies are the Westerns of our time, right? Starting in like, I believe the 70s, um, early to late 70s, there's, there started to become this new sort of genre of Westerns called the revisionist Western, mm-hmm. which sort of took the idea of all the Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, rah, rah, cowboy stuff and sort of look at it from maybe a little bit more of a critical angle. And I feel like in a lot of ways, this is sort of a revisionist superhero movie. I don't know. I, I felt that this fits right in with every superhero movie that's come out recently. Yeah. I disagree. But, like, so there's the villain subplot is really weak. Like, there's there's nothing to it. Yeah. But what I really dug was just the, was just the superhero thing. Part of it, and and I do actually like the role reversal. It's a new side of the thing. Elastigirl, right from the start, like that that archive footage bit from the opening mm-hmm. of the first Incredibles. She's always been sort of this 
passive advocate for gender equality. You know, leave the saving of the world to the men? I don't think so. And that's really all it gets is just sort of just a little bit of lip service, but well, not a whole lot. But no, I think the only service you need is her doing things. The one thing I did like that this movie wasn't like that was a clear subplot of this movie, but they weren't like that wasn't the movie. Yeah. And they like they they try to give everything kind of reason and uh, backstory here. But like. I don't know. They just kind of don't key in on the cool parts. Like she does the same thing. She stops a train and she gets a new suit and she fights the bad guy. It's like, what does she do that's different than in the, in the first one? In terms of just superhero stuff, nothing different. It's just that it's a different situation. It's not the different situation. The whole point of the first one was because they, they want, they want to get Bob out there because, because he's Mr. Incredible. He, superheroes are, they're still valuable. That's the exact point of this movie. Things are different now. Though. How? Because of the whole thing with syndrome and everything. It's just, I just, I just appreciated the continuation. What's the difference element though? of it? You just said there's a difference. Though. I don't care. So, yeah. So, how I see it is, I don't know. I like I like the whole stuff with Elastigirl in this movie. Uh, like, yeah, w- why leave it up to the men to save the world? As far as just the story goes, it it, it feels like it just kind of hits the same beats as the first one. But like you said, Sam, the whole villain stuff is just not <laughs> not into it at all. Do we want to do spoilers now? Yeah, let's. Here's how I would describe spoiler, spoiler now. Here's how I describe the plot of both movies. In a world where superheroes are illegal, a rich guy wants to show the world superheroes are still valuable by sending a member of the Parr family on a mission to a new location. Uh, but the real villain turns out to be the normal person who has no superpowers and uses technology to get what they want because they have a personal grudge against all superheroes. They get a new suit. They stop a train. It's the same movie. Yeah, <laughs> It's the exact same movie as the first. These, yeah. these movies are exactly the same. And that was my big issue with it. Like that's yeah. The role reversal. I thought it was. It could have been a really clever idea, but it's literally they don't change anything, and it's just kind of more shallow and hollow. And like yeah, I mean, it definitely doesn't the have plot. the same. It's literally the same. Plot. Nice family moments. Yeah. as the first one. So it's kind of like a discount version of the first one, like, a little bit. Like there, there weren't any. Mo- there weren't a lot of individual moments. Like I thought, one had that great moment. Uh, they they each had individual parts. Uh, Bob, in Mr. Incredible, he had the whole fighting of the big thing, and then he was captive for a while, so he couldn't do anything. And then Helen comes in, and she has that one of the funniest, that hilarious bit where she gets caught in the doors. Remember that? And she's got to yeah, kick the dude. Yeah. That is such a clever bit. And this this movie didn't have met much of that. I thought the train bit was pretty clever, where she kind of used her torso as a ramp type jump. Yeah, no, I, I that was the, cool. The bike breaks yeah. in two parts. That was that, that was, was cool. cool, but that was it. I think the most clever part of this movie. This is just me, but like the Jack Jack fight with the raccoon, like that, that was, was that was fun. That, that was, was I loved funny. that. That was really great. That was good. Um, but yeah, I just I wanted more moments of the family kind of like working because uh, in the first one you get you know they're uh, whether where they're all working together where Violet gets the big ball around them and then mm-hmm. Dash yeah. runs with that and they all kind of work together. I may not be remembering, but I don't know if there's a moment in there where they all kind of work together. There's yes, there is. Where in, where, in two? No, not well. In two, in they're two. kind of the end. They kind of yeah, I'm they team like, up. But I kind of wanted the whole movie to be the, a family adventure instead of another yeah, but separate then, adventure. You know, and like I don't know. Then 
everything's all good with them and they're 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 perfect and they can yeah be we, it. So we lose maybe, the kids motivation of i want to be heroes too why should we should we, we shouldn't be ashamed of our powers dash just kind of you know f's off he's like whatever where, where what can you do yeah there's a pool here you know like that's his <laughs> that's his character arc and nothing changes and I don't know. I just wish we could have had the whole family go on an adventure this time. Just like it opened with all of them working together. And Violet did that cool thing where she like clapped her hands and then the, the, um, her force field kind of went out and shattered a rock. That was like, whoa, show me more <laughs> of that. I don't, to be honest, I don't even know. That was a pretty that. badass wow. opening. What did, what yeah, did no, you, it was a pretty, what did you guys opening. think of the new heroes? I mean, you know, they're not given a lot of screen time and they're just, they're just, Kind of like one there. of them just has electric power, like just normal Pretty powers. Standard. Burping man. I was, <laughs> I like burping man. I don't know. I thought it was goofy and kind of. Owl felt, man. Yeah. I mean, the, the fight at the end between them and the new guys, that was kind of fun, but. Yeah. Oh, that really lame superhero, the crusher man, where he's like, I can crush things. Uncrush. Wow. Great. I kind of like the. Uncrushed part. That was um, funny, I yeah, guess. But, like, I don't know. I felt kind of the new superheroes felt out of place in this world because we saw superhero what other, like, non-incredible superheroes look like in one with, like, Dynaguy and, like, Gazer Beam where they kind of looked part of that era. And these guys, they look like they're straight out of Marvel. And, it, like, not Marvel, the CW TV, TV shows. <laughs> like, these guys are from Arrowverse, and they just look out of place. And yeah. It bothered me. Yeah. Uh, did you, so you, we are, did you, did you, how soon did you see the ending coming with her being the villain? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that. Um, well, I mean, to be honest, the whole time I thought they were both evil. I but thought it was, I thought I, it was, uh, I thought they were both evil, but then the twist is that only one of them is well, evil. See, and, I thought in the like, trailer it was, kind of I was like, thing. oh, Bob Odenkirk's the villain. Yeah. Yeah. But then they, they, did they show her in the trailer? What? I, I, no, she was, Keener, she I forget was not her in the trailer. Name. I don't think. Evelyn, her, his name, Evelyn, her name's Evelyn. Evelyn. So she, yeah. she's, she's all, and the, my, I was like, she's the villain. I was like, the second she's Yeah, the she's like, when you first see her, she's kind of like laying on a couch and like a villain. She's the villain. I honestly thought they all were, and then when it turned out to just be her, I wasn't surprised. I thought it was interesting that it was just one of them. I you know? I liked that it was just one of them, but then like that's supposed to be crazy that it's just it's not both of them. Well, it's like just one you think them. they would have had Bob Odenkirk go like, "Sis, no," but really he's just like, "Ah, she's crazy anyway." Like towards yeah, the end. yeah. I feel like Bob Odenkirk doesn't really do anything the whole movie. Not really. He's just the rich guy with the money. Yeah, the beginning what exposition else? man. Nod, you guys were talking about Underminer earlier. Yeah. Um, he kind of has an after credits. I mean, he scene. rolls he, by. He rolls by. Yeah, he yeah. Could, that could be something. Maybe he'll know. maybe he'll be back if they do a third one. <laughs> Underminer. Now, who's going to stay at home this time? Yeah. So is that about it? I think. I think. I probably I'm, sound like a jerk with all my dis- probably, discounts towards this movie. It was fine. I like. Yeah. I don't know. Overall, I I had fun with it, but I I had problems with it. It was fun. So I think I think that's about it for our uh, episode. Uh, so now that we're officially done, uh, do we want to give our overall uh, our, our board man impressions? Yeah. I have to say board boy, man. Boy, the like man. board man. <laughs> like Bjorn. Yes, Jason. Bjork. Um, I, I really enjoy his movies. He made the best Mission Impossible movie, in my opinion. He made two of my absolute favorite animated <laughs> movies ever, <laughs> so I can't hate the guy. I don't even... I know you really, you really don't like Tomorrowland. 
I ugh, I can I can get why people like it, and there's some parts that I have fun with, but I don't know. I don't really like that one. But overall, I I really enjoy his movies, and I'll see anything that he puts out. I think he's probably one of the most important current filmmakers right now. I, I don't think he's made a dud yet. I mean, yeah, Tomorrowland was technically and most likely pretty much a dud, but it, it still had moments, and it's I think all of his stuff. Is clear, got a lot of passion. Clear, exactly. Clear passion, clear intent, clear, genuine love for filmmaking and for his work. And I think that's a really rare thing nowadays. And I think he 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 wants to make you know all of his movies are you know they're funny. He wants to make people smile and laugh and have a good time. And it like I didn't like Incredibles two. I didn't like Tomorrowland. I still laughed. Through both of them, because and he's just—it's. I think that's a really important quality. Yeah, he can he can make stuff fun. Yeah, it's that's it's a rare and important quality, and he does a good job. Of the Pixar directors, you got John Lasseter, you got Andrew Stanton, Pete Doctor, and Brad Bird. I think Brad Bird's the best. I agree. Has, has the best uh, track record. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that could be that could be an interesting uh, topic of discussion, but that's not for now. For now, um, let's let them know where they can reach out to us. So you can comment at johnnegroni.com. Send us your feedback, your thoughts, recommendations, whatever the hell you want. We don't care. Um, or you can email us, podcast at gmail.com. We'll read those on the air once we get them. Uh, what else? What else? Follow us on Twitter at AnyWayCast for all the links and uh, updates and stuff like that. That's all we got. I'm Sam. I'm Anthony. I'm Jason. And we'll see you next time, darlings.